Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Before we get into the Week 16 preview, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Hit the like button, leave a comment, and turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast. Merry Christmas, everybody, as the Colts head to Heinz Field to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 16. Oh, what a Christmas present it would be to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh for the first time since 2008 and just the second time since 1968. In our last 16 trips, we are 1-15 in Pittsburgh. We have a chance to change that. This weekend, Phillip Rivers has gone to Pittsburgh and won on the road in his career, and we need him to do it again this weekend in the blue and white for the Colts because this is yet another must-win game. You win this game, you win and you're in Week 17 against the Jaguars. We control our own destiny. We don't have to worry about Miami. We don't have to worry about Baltimore. You drop this game, and Baltimore and Miami each go 2-0 respectively down the stretch, and Cleveland just wins one out of two down the stretch We'll be on the outside looking in, even with 11 wins at 11 and 5. We'll be on the outside looking in. So, another big game, another must win game for the Indianapolis Colts. I think they're up to the challenge, and we got a lot to get to in this Christmas game preview for the Colts Week 16 on the road against the Steelers. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, you just got to go out there and play. That's the bottom. I mean, they just have to go play their game. They, you know, hopefully will put together one of their better performances, if not their best performance of the season going, you know, going, hopefully they can pull that out in this game and play their best game because this is as important as any game of the year. We all know where, you know, what's, what's at stake. If we don't win this game there, you know, then we're going to have to depend on other people to lose. So definitely a huge game for the Colts. It's definitely going to be a test for our offensive line. And, uh, you know, I expect the Steelers to play like they always do versus us. I expect them to play well. Yep, and every team wants to control their own destiny, and we do. We control our own destiny with two games to go. We have 120 minutes of football plus overtime in our final two games. If we go out, we take care of business, we're going to the playoffs. And it doesn't matter what Miami does or what Baltimore does or what Cleveland does or what anybody does. It only matters what we do. We have our opportunity here. It's a golden opportunity to control our own destiny, to go on the road, to beat Pittsburgh for the second time since 1968, the first time since 2008 and to get a dub on the road, and then Jacksonville next week, a revenge game after they beat us in week one. So let's go, Jason. Let's get into it. Let's start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. The Steelers are an 11-3 and team, but also a team that's kind of been a tale of two halves or a tale of three quarters and one quarter when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. 11-0 to start the year, 0-3 the last three weeks. So you're getting a team that's trying to figure it out and find that mojo they had in the beginning of the season and in the middle of the season, and they've lost over the last month. As the Colts, I think, were 6-2 and two over our last eight. They're 0-3 over their last three. So we have a great opportunity here catching a good team while slumping and getting into the offense now. 26.1 points per game for Pittsburgh, 13th in the NFL. They're plus eight in turnovers, but they have turned the ball over 17 times. Roethlisberger's been sacked 12 times. So when you look at that and you look at the offense, 13 in points per game, it's 
pretty average. They've turned the ball over a good amount of times, but defensively they force probably as many, if not more, turnovers than anybody in the league. I think they forced 25 turnovers this year. So they force a lot of turnovers, but they also turn the ball over, and they are led by future Hall of Fame quarterback, two-time MVP Ben Roethlisberger, but he clearly is lacking his prime arm strength. I think when you look at Phillip Rivers and you look at these guys who are in their late 30s, early 40s, Rivers and Roethlisberger and Brady and Breeze, for some reason, nationally, everybody wants to say Rivers is the one that's washed. But when you look at arm strength, it's clearly depleting for Ben Roethlisberger. 3,462 yards, 65.3% completion percentage, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. The numbers aren't bad. It's worse on tape when you watch him because everything is underneath. Everything is a dink and dunk when you watch this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Yeah, he clearly doesn't have the same arm strength, and you can tell that when he throws the ball down the field. I mean, if you watch the Bengal game, there were there were several long passes where their receivers were, were open deep, and he underthrew the, the ball. So his arm strength is certainly not the same. It's diminished. Uh, as far as, like, their offensive weapons go, you start with running back James Conner, uh, who's been out uh, with an injury. He's coming back this week, 663 yards rushing. That's 4.3 yards per carry. Five touchdowns, 25 receptions, 145 yards. So he does it in the backfield and out of the backfield, catching the ball. And then you go to the receivers. They've got three really good ones. Obviously, the one everybody knows about is, is Juju Smith-Schuster, 82 receptions. They're only 670 yards. That's only an 8.2 yards per catch average with seven touchdowns. So he's not really much of a deep threat. The receivers really aren't deep threats other than Claypool. That's the next guy. The rookie Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, 53 receptions, 718 yards, 13.5 yards per catch, eight touchdowns. He's really their deep threat. Uh, he can take a short catch and turn it into a long gain, so the Colts are really going to have to tackle well this week. Uh, and then the last receiver is Deontay Johnson. He's more of a small T.Y. Hilton-type guy, 77 receptions, 753 yards, almost 10 yards per catch, 9.8, and then six touchdowns. So, They've got a good stable of wide receivers. They've also got James Washington out there. Uh, and then as far as backup running back Benny Snell, who started the last couple of games, is, is pretty solid as well, has over a four yards per carry average. Vance McDonald at, at tight end, and then Eric Ebron, who I don't know if, it's gonna, if he's going to play this week. We all know about him. They target him in the red zone. If he plays, then that'll be somebody we have to keep an eye on. But their offense has, has been very strange the last few games. It's been uh, underwhelming. Roethlisberger has not played well. But they do have they do have some weapons on offense, especially at wide receiver. Yep, and let's get into the keys to the game for the Colts defense in this week sixteen matchup. Key number one, pressure Ben for sixty minutes. Constant pressure. He's a different type of quarterback than we've seen the last couple weeks. When you play against Deshaun Watson, he could beat you with his legs. Roethlisberger is a statue, but he gets the ball off quick. So you gotta get back there quick and you gotta just put pressure on him, get him off his mark. It's not about sacks, it's about pressure. Yeah, and and you saw what it can do when 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 you do it the whole game when you pressure somebody a whole game in the first Houston game and and just mistakes are going to get made if you continue to pressure the quarterback. They do have a really good offensive line. Ben does get rid of the ball fairly quickly, so there's not going to be a lot of time. I really hope Flus will play a lot of press man in this game or at least press coverage at the line of scrimmage and mix up zone and man out of that. 
because I think that'll help, you know, with, with the ability to get the Roethlisberger, give our D linemen some more time. But yeah, absolutely getting to him for 60 minutes and pressuring him. He doesn't move around like, you know, as much, as well as he did when he was younger. So he's pretty much like a statue back there and you got to hit him for 60 minutes. I mean, he's a big guy. He's uh he's strong in there. So when we get in there, we got to make sure we get him on the ground. You know, like, like Luke said, it's not really about sacks as much as it is about just pressuring him for the entire game. And if you can do that, he's probably going to turn the ball over at least one or two times. So and he did it against the Bengals. So uh, that's really, I mean, that's key number one. And they all kind of go together. You know, they always do. So, But that's definitely, getting pressure is definitely always a key, uh, especially against a good quarterback like Roethlisberger. Key number two, no big plays, tackle well. We've had our ups and downs with tackling over the last couple of weeks. A team that was a really great tackling team in the beginning of the year. And we still are statistically throughout the course of our 14 games. I think we're second in the league in missed tackles in the positive way. So the second least amount of missed tackles in the NFL. But I think we were first a few weeks ago, and I think we've fallen behind, I want to say, San Francisco. So no big plays tackle well, especially a team like this where they get a lot of yak because there's a lot of dinking and dunking. There's a lot of – they don't really run the ball much. Everything's kind of just a drop-off to the running back. That's why Roethlisberger's numbers are as good as they are for a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of arm strength because he'll throw a – two-yard pass or a bubble screen, a negative two-yard pass that turns into a 30-40 yard gain. They love to just dump the ball off and let their playmakers run with it. And we saw in that Cincinnati game, as you just alluded to, they had opportunities for big plays downfield and Roethlisberger underthrew a guy who was open by four or five yards, underthrew him by three, four yards. So their big plays are more hit a guy on a slant dump the ball to the back out of the backfield and then letting them take off. So those are golden opportunities to wrap up and prevent a big play from happening. Yeah. And it's like Fluce always says, it's 11 verse one, you know, whenever, whenever a guy gets the ball in his hands, it's 11 verse one, we got to run to the ball and we have to tackle. That's what we do. That's what we've done all year. We've had a couple off games the last few weeks, but for the most part, this is a really elite tackling team and they're very fast. So we need to get to the, you know, get because they're going to, like you said, their thing is throwing bubble screens to 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 Claypool and let getting him out in space and letting him try to you know take it sixty yards or whatever because he's so physically strong and fast. So our guys just got to be you know fundamentally sound, wrap up. Uh, you know, if you can't get them down, wait wait till you know hold them up till a teammate gets there, like they usually do. I mean, just run to the ball, eleven on one, everybody attacking the ball carrier. You know, going you know going for the strips and 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 all that stuff, but most of important, but most importantly, getting the guy on the ground. You got to get him on the ground. The last couple of weeks, we just have not done a good job. Mainly the two Houston games, and that's Deshaun Watson, I think, more than anything else. But we've just got to really be focused this week on our tackling, and 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 I think they've been really been working on that in practice. So I think we'll be better this week with the tackling, but that's definitely something that that's key for this Colts defense: not allowing big plays. And that starts with, with, with tackling well, keeping everything in front of you, making teams go the long route. That's what this defense is about. So can't give up any big plays. And, and the first key to that is obviously tackling well. So that'll be a big big emphasis, I think, for Flus and the defense come Sunday. And key number three, take the ball away, create turnovers. The Steelers have turned the ball over 17 times in 14 games. So even though they had that 11-game winning streak, they're prone to turning the ball over, create a couple turnovers in this game. 
Yeah, and I think that'll happen if you take away the running game, make them throw and tackle well. Don't let them – I mean, if, if you can get to the quarterback also, obviously, pressure Roethlisberger, take away the running game, which we generally have done a good job of outside a couple of games, and, and make them one-dimensional, and then you know what they're going to do and you can get the Roethlisberger – that's gonna that's gonna lend himself to some bad throws, some forced throws, and and so we're gonna have. I think we will have some chances for interceptions. It's up to the guys to make the plays, and hopefully they can make them, um, because I definitely think there's gonna be some op- opportunities out there for them to you know get turnovers in this game. They've just got to make the plays when they're there. Yep, and let's flip over now to the defensive side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers, giving up 18.9 points per game, which is second in the National Football League, so tremendous defensively, forced 25 turnovers, have 47 sacks, and have a sack, at least one sack in 70 consecutive games. That's over three and a half or four and a half seasons worth of games with one-plus sacks. So that's going to be a great matchup. This Colts defense, Rivers has only been sacked, 13 times. He's dropped back over 400 times. He's only been sacked 13 times. The offensive line is going to be healthy this week. All five guys will be out there. We could be the team to put an end to that record. And 70 is a great number. So there will be no shame for the Pittsburgh Steelers if that record stops at 70 because 70 is bonkers. That's a crazy streak of consecutive games with a sack. So that'll be something to watch this week, but they force a lot of turnovers. They have a lot of guys that are ball hawks, like Fitzpatrick, right place, right time kind of guys. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and they're really good at every level of the defense. It's shocking to see a team like Cincinnati without Joe Burrow go out on Monday Night Football primetime and actually be able to move the ball up and down the field against this defense. I think that was the most shocking part. Watching the offense go up and down isn't that out of the ordinary, but watching this defense get beat on a couple of drives last week, and they didn't give up a ton of points, but to get beat a little bit last week defensively by a bad Bengals offense, missing Joe Burrow was crazy to me. And they are led by TJ Watt. So for the third time in four weeks, we see a defense led by a J Watt brother. And they also have another Watt on this team who plays special teams and is a fullback. So we will be seeing our fourth Watt in four weeks. Imagine that, the bloodlines you need to have to have that type of talent in your family. And T.J. Watt, although he might not be J.J. Watt, he is playing like J.J. Watt this season, like a prime J.J. Watt this season. 50 tackles, 40 quarterback hits, which is a mind-blowing number. 22 tackles for loss, 22. That's another mind-blowing number. 13 sacks, 7 passes deflected, a pick, and a forced fumble. So he really stuffed the stat sheet this season. He's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, and I would assume they would be the first pair of brothers to each hold a Defensive Player of the Year award as T.J. Watt leads this Pittsburgh Steelers defense into this Week 16 matchup. Yeah, and it's crazy. I think this is definitely the, the by far the best front seven that we're going to face this year, and, and they, they don't even have Bud Dupree. So even without Bud Dupree, I still think this is probably the best front seven we're going to see. T.J. Watt is just... I mean, if he's not defensive player of the year, he's got to be close. I mean, these stats are insane. He's, I mean, when you watch him, he's just all over the field. He knocks passes down. He can cover. He can blitz. He can do everything. And he's so, so good and so talented. And so Braden Smith's going to have to bring it. That's who's going to be blocking him. He's going to have to play a really, really good game. And, and it's going to be a great test for him. But there, there's other guys outside of T.J. Watt that are outstanding for this defense. Uh, defensive end, Stephon Tuitt, 40 tackles, 22 quarterback hits, 
eight tackles for loss, nine sacks, two forced fumbles. Defensive tackle, everybody knows Cam Hayward. He had a really good game against us last year. 49 tackles, 17 quarterback hits, six tackles for loss, and three sacks. They get Vince Williams back off the COVID list this week. He's been good for them, their best inside linebacker. 63 tackles, four quarterback hits, 14 tackles for a loss, and three sacks. And then the guy that killed us last year made it probably the biggest play of the game. Free safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. 66 tackles, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, one forced fumble, four interceptions, and one of those was returned for a touchdown. So the Colts absolutely have to know where Minka is at all times because he's a very good ball-hawking safety, and he will make plays. So they've got playmakers like us at every level of their defense, and they've been playing outstanding defense this entire year. They force a ton of turnovers, 25, 47 sacks, uh, and then other guys on their defense that, that should be noted, uh, corner Joe Hayden's always solid. Steven Nelson's a solid corner. The other safeties, Terrell Edmonton, they traded for Avery Williamson from the Jets, who's a solid veteran inside linebacker. So they've got guys everywhere. It's a very good defense. The Colts are going to have to play one of their better games offensively, uh, and, and definitely uh, it's going to be a huge test. I think this is the biggest test of the year and one of the biggest games of the year. So. I have a lot of respect for uh, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers and the defense that, that he's built there. And even without Bud Dupree, they're still very formidable. So I expect them to play really bring it on Sunday. I expect a totally different Steeler team than, than you saw against the Bengals. And getting into the keys to the game for the Colts offense, key number one, you guys all know it. I don't even think we need to say it. No turnovers. We are 7-0. and when we don't turn over the football, the Pittsburgh Steelers have forced 25 turnovers on the season. They thrive. They feed off turnovers. And the Colts thrive and feed off not turning over the football. And I think every team in the league thrives off not turning it over or turning it over. But you look at Pittsburgh, you look at their recipe to win. You look at the Colts, you look at their recipe to win. And that is the one constant. Them forcing turnovers, us taking care of the football. Key number one, no turnovers. Yeah, and they're and the Steelers' defense reminds me a lot of the Ravens. They're very, very hyper-aggressive. They force a ton of turnovers. They, they get big momentum shifts off their defense uh, when they force turnovers, and their defense flips games for them, uh, much like the Ravens did early on in the season until they had the big COVID issue. They kind of haven't been the same since. But you, as you remember, when we played the Ravens, the big turning point of that game was the Jonathan Taylor fumble return for a touchdown. It completely changed the game, the outcome. My point? We can't have any turnovers in this game. They will absolutely kill us. Uh, they have killed us in the past in this in in, in, in in Pittsburgh. They killed it killed us last year. The Minka interception. I think we were going in to take a take the lead, and and I think we were up ten to three at the time. And instead of going up seventeen to three, uh, Hoyer throws a pick. It gets returned for a touchdown, and it's and it's tied, and it changed the game. Obviously, we had a chance to win it at the end. It just you know it just wasn't going to happen with the kicker we had, but. You just can't turn the ball over against this team. It's a recipe for disaster. Phillip has to throw the ball away. If it's not there, he's just got to throw the ball away because if you if you turn the ball over, not only this team will not only take it away, they'll score. So the Colts really have to really be focused this week on their fundamentals, make smart decisions, and do not turn the ball over because the fastest way to, to losing this game is, is, is turning the ball over offensively. As we've seen throughout the year, when we turn the ball over, we, it, it's a lot harder to win football games. When we don't turn it over, we've won them all. So that's the biggest key. I mean, Obviously, it doesn't get bigger than that. So no turnovers. If we don't turn the ball over, we have an excellent chance to win this football game. 
Key number two, use Hines and Taylor in the passing game. They have a great front seven. They do have some injuries and getting some guys back in the linebacking core, but I would say the last couple weeks with all the injuries they've had in the linebacking core, it became their worst unit defensively, the worst position group defensively. So it's an opportunity to get your backs involved in the passing game and kind of mimic what the Steelers do offensively because the Steelers basically – use their running backs out of the backfield as a replacement to their run game. I think we could do the same in this game against their defense because the D-line is just so good. Their front seven is so good, but you can get the backs out in space, dump the ball off to them, and use Taylor and Hines in the pass game. Yeah, it's it's one of those games. The Pittsburgh is a super aggressive defense. They play they play fast. They're very aggressive. And the best way to combat that, I think, is using the backs out of the backfield and use them against that, that aggressiveness because, you know, you get Heinz, you, you get, you get, you know, extra blitzes, you get overload blitzes, you get a gap blitzes, whatever you're getting. If you use those, if you use those running backs out of the backfield, it gets the ball out of Phil's hands, gets it in a playmaker's hands. And it, that will discourage them from, from extra blitzing or, or more blitzing than usual. And also you mix in the run game, but you can use the pass game to the to dump offs to the running backs as an extension of the running game. So, I think this is a game where you really got to get Hines and Taylor involved in the passing game to back them off a little bit because they're very aggressive. They're going to try to attack us. I think they're going to try to put as much pressure on us as possible and, and really pressure Phillip. So I think using the, the, the outlets of Hines and Taylor in the passing game will take a lot of pressure off of him and a lot of pressure off our run game because the Steelers are tough to run against. They're a good run defense. Obviously, they've had some bumps in the road the last few weeks. But generally speaking, they've been stout stopping the run all year. So I think getting those two guys in, involved in the passing game early and often will help our offense and help take the pressure off of Phillip. Can we add the key to a little bit, Jason, and add for Reich not to get cute in this game with the play calling? Because the last three weeks we did not see good defenses. We saw the Texans twice. We saw the Raiders. And in two out of those three games, Reich got way too cute. No first and ten. Jacoby Brissett let him throw. None of that. None of that in this game. No, you can't get cute. No, I, no, that's a great point, Luke. Absolutely. Um, whatever's working against this team, you better stick with because if you start get, trying to get cute, you're going to end up. It's, you're going to end up with a you know Jacoby trying to throw and end up with a pick six going the other direction or a fumble going the other direction. But like he can't have any of that this week. There can't be any. You know, we're going to throw this play out there and see if it works. It, they've got to be on their p's and q's this week. This is not a defense to get you know, try to get cute with or try to, you know, be slick. Just go out there and find what works and attack their weakness. And whatever that weakness is that you've seen on film, attack it until they stop it. And if they don't stop it, then don't, then, then you just keep doing it. That's how you win football games. You don't win football games by, you know, attacking a weakness and then stopping for no reason and trying something that, you know, hasn't worked and, and then trying to do that. You, you stick with what works. If you run the same four plays and they can't stop them, then you run those same four plays until they do stop them. So that's a great point, Luke. It's something that's driven us crazy about Reich when he tries to really outsmart people when he doesn't need to. Just put the guys in position to make plays and let those players make them. In key number three, the offensive line has to play their best game of the year, and you have to keep Phillip Rivers clean. This will be the best front seven we play, and we've seen some good ones, but this will be the best one we play. Thankfully, the offensive line right now is healthy. We'll have all five guys out there, and they got to play their best football, and they've been playing their best football down the stretch after getting Anthony Costanzo back and getting rid of 
Chaz Green, we've been playing really good, really consistently across the line, all five guys. And you got to keep that going in this game because you're playing a Pittsburgh Steelers defense with 47 sacks, and they have a sack in each of their last 70 games. So that's a long streak, could come to an end this week, and that would be a huge key if we could hold them to zero sacks. But it's about the pressure, it's about the quarterback hits, multiple guys on this defense with 20-plus quarterback hits, Watt with 40 quarterback hits. So you got to protect Phillip Rivers, minimize the pressure, minimize the hits, and minimize the sacks. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. They've got to be at their best this week. I mean, like you said, I mean, the the, the stats are ridiculous on some of these players. Um, I mean, the 47 sacks and, and the constant pressure. I mean, they're a pressure team. They pressure – this team definitely is going to put more pressure on us than probably any team we've played. That's just who they are. They're a pressure team. 47 sacks that's led to 25 turnovers I mean that that's that's winning defense that's how defenses win in football games for you I mean because when you put that much pressure on a quarterback they're going to turn the ball over so our offensive line has got to come to play Uh, I think they're going to be highly motivated especially Quentin Nelson since he had a rough game last year against Cam Hayward so I think I think they're going to be highly motivated they've got to play well they've got to keep Phillip clean they've got to give him enough time to get off his throws and keep him upright. You don't want pressure in his face. That's when he makes bad decisions. That's when all quarterbacks make bad decisions. So, and also he's playing with a hurt toe. So you just don't want him, you don't want him getting hit at all. I think that's probably asking too much of the offensive line, but if we could, you know, keep the sacks to maybe three and lower than that, maybe three or less, I think we, that's, that, that would be good for us or two or less, I think asking them to hold them to zero is probably not going to happen. But, you know, just play a good game, play your fundamentals, you know, don't hold, no dumb penalties, just play your game. And the Colts have the talent to hang with this defense off with their offensive line. They've got good players at every position. They can, they can play with this, with this team. And, and, you know, it's a great, it's a great matchup. I mean, if you're just an NFL fan, you don't, you don't have a dog in the fight. I mean, this is a great matchup. These, these, this defensive line and this front seven against this offensive line, it's a great matchup. So uh, I expect to see strength on strength, and whoever wins that probably will win the game. If the Colts' deep offensive line can hold it down and hold serve, then I think the Colts have a great chance of winning the game. But if the defensive line for the Steelers are able to, to wreak havoc, get to fill up force turnovers, it's going to be a long day for the, for the guys in white. Yep, and you know what time it is, Jason? It's prediction time as the Colts go to Pittsburgh for the 17th time since 1968, 1-15 over the last 16 meetings in Pittsburgh. I am dying to know who you're going to take in this matchup. Well, Luke, I told you this all fair. I kind of have a rule of thumb. Remember when everybody was talking about LaRaven Clark and all that, like he's been playing well in, in training camp and he's, he looks better and he looks great. And I said, then I'll believe it when he actually does it until then I, I'm not going to believe it. Well, I, I'm going with the same logic here. Everyone thinks, you know, the Colts are going to win and the Colts have this great chance to win. And, and yeah, they do. They have a chance to win this game. But until I actually see it happen again, because we haven't won there since 2008, before that, 1968, I think, or something like that. Until I see it, I'm not, I don't think it's going to happen. I just, it, something always goes wrong there. So I'm picking Pittsburgh. I just, it's something, it's something about that place. No matter what we do, it always, something always ends up killing us and some, miraculous something miraculously bad happens to us there 
you know, whether it be a turnover or a guy, you know, having a Hail Mary in his hands in the AFC championship and for some reason not being able to hold it on his belly. You don't know anything. That's before you were alive, Luke. But that was that 95 AFC championship with Aaron Bailey. We were one Hail Mary that was in his lap. I've heard, one I've heard the story many a times. I was watching what, and the and game. And I, was on, I was actually on my father's lap during the play, oh. right before the play, and my mom – took me because she was afraid he was going to like throw me or drop me because I, I think I was one years old or like a newborn. What year was that? 96? It was 90, It was 95. 95. So, 95. And I was born in January of 95. So I was, I must have been like a week or two old. Maybe I'm yeah. part of the curse. No, I don't think so. No, you're I'm, right. I'm not going to blame you for that. 68 to 95, we didn't win any games there either. So. Yeah, so I mean, my point, my point being that just, and people are going to say, I'm, you know, it's the nut one doesn't have anything to do with the other, whatever. We just don't win there. We just don't. And until they do again, I, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to think it's possible. So I'm picking, I know it is possible, but based on what I've seen in my lifetime, it's very rare. Like it's one out of 17 rare. So I'm taking the Steelers. Yeah. And I get it. I understand where people say that might not be logical because what a team did in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s has no effect on what the 2020 Steelers and the 2020 Colts do on Sunday. And I understand that. Logically, it doesn't mean anything. But I do think for some reason there's certain places where certain teams just don't play well. I don't know if it's a curse or whatever it is, and there's no way to prove any of that. But there's definitely certain teams that just don't play well historically at certain stadiums or against certain teams or whatever it might be. But like Green Bay and Indianapolis, yeah, Green like, Bay and Indianapolis. Like we have they always, our teams they always too, find a way sure. to lose. There's definitely teams yeah. that we just historically match up well against, and then there's teams that it's historically even against, and then there's teams we historically come out on the wrong end against. And the Chargers are another team we just for some reason could never really beat the Chargers. We've beaten them, but it's always like. Even if we're better, it's still rare to occur. And this is not a bad Steeler team. And I don't want people to look at their last three games and say, and we knew even when they were 11 and 0, they were not a great 11 and 0. And they're lucky they didn't go 10 and 1. Because if they went 10 and 1, they'd be in jeopardy right now of missing the playoffs. Could you imagine a 10 and 1 team missing the playoffs? Because if we beat them and the Browns win this week, and I think they play the Jets, so that's a win, and then they play the Steelers next week. They could actually be playing to knock the Steelers out of the playoffs, but the Steelers at 11-3 and have clinched a playoff spot because of their head-to-heads, I think, over Baltimore. I don't know how it works with us beating them and finishing 11-5 and with a loss to the Browns, but they are clinched, so there's no doubt about that. They have clinched a spot in the playoffs. But as far as my prediction to stop beating around the bush, I'm going to pick the Colts. For the opposite reason, you usually pick them. Every time I've picked against the Colts this season, they've lost. So I'm going to pick the Colts, plus it's Christmas, and we can't upload a Colt podcast on Christmas Day, and neither one of us picked the Colts. So to put a little positivity in there, plus in the history of this podcast, every time we've played the Steelers, I've picked the Steelers because of the history, and the Steelers have won every game. So... With all that being said, I'm taking the Colts for those reasons. There's not a lot of logic in my reasons, but I'm just going to have a little bit of positive energy as we go into this game. Plus, the Steelers aren't playing their best football. 
They've clearly tailed off the last few weeks, and they're coming off a bad loss. And a lot of Colt fans wanted them to come back and beat the Bengals because they didn't want to get a pissed-off Steeler team. The Steelers dropped two games in a row before playing the Bengals. I think they were already right. pissed off. I think these issues... And they were playing for the division title. That yeah. was for, they, if they win that game, they win the division. So they that, just that, needed I don't one out that. of these final three games to clinch the AFC North. So I think they were playing pissed. I think they were playing hungry and playing to win and all that. And they just got beat. And I think I'd rather bad. get them on a three-game losing streak where they're questioning themselves, where Eric Ebron's probably bitching in the locker room. I'd rather get that version of the Pittsburgh Steelers rather than a 12-2 and Steeler team, even if they're not playing for anything because they already clinched, that is coming in on a high. Like, okay, we figured it out. This is why we lost the last two weeks. Now we figured it out. Now we're back on track. Now we came back from 17-zip against the Bengals. I didn't want that. What jump-started this Colts run? It was a comeback against the Bengals. Down 21-zip, we came all the way back, and it changed the rest of our season. I didn't want the Steelers to get that positive bump. I wanted them to be on a three-game losing streak. I don't know what that means for Sunday. Every game's a new game. Every week's a new week. Anything could happen in this league, as we saw the Rams lose to the Jets last week. The 0-13 Jets going across the country to the West Coast and beating the Rams. So anything could happen, but I actually do like the fact that the Steelers come into this game on a three-game losing streak questioning themselves, maybe questioning the quarterback, maybe Roethlisberger questioning himself, Ebron bitching about not getting the ball, and Ebron dropping five passes since week 12. And Ebron being hurt and not wanting to face his former teammates who probably want to take his head off. Uh, but, Lo, I was just going to say this about, about the Steelers, and, and I'm glad they lost. Because now, if they come out in this game and they're flat and they start playing bad to start the game, they're going to be like, oh, here we go again. You know, if they had won that game, if they somehow come back and won that game, I don't think there'd be any chance that they panic. I think there is a chance that they panic if they come out slow in this game. Because this will be the fourth straight game if they come out slow and fall behind that they've done that in and I think at some point you start panicking even veteran teams with veteran quarterbacks do that is I mean is Ben going to start questioning whether he's washed up I mean I mean it it, it could happen so I agree with you 100% on that I do think them losing that game I don't think I I look at it like you do I'm not one of these people think they're going to come in pissed off they were already pissed off they'd lost two games in a row they had the division on the line against a third-string quarterback and a two-win team, and they pretty much got smoked. So that that whole reasoning is out the window as far as I'm concerned. It, maybe they play worse when they're pissed, so maybe they'll be even more pissed and play worse this week. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I don't really care. Well, it's care. more of like I just an overthinking. Want... I think it's more of like they're caught up in their own head. I think they're overthinking everything, and I think it's a lack of confidence. That's the word I was looking for before, and I couldn't find it. It's a lack of confidence. They're not a very confident group right now. They were super confident at 11-0. You have Juju dancing on road teams, logos. You're going to do that when you're 11-0. You're not going to do that when you're 11-3 and and you just drop three games and you go from the one seed now to, I think, the three seed, and you're in jeopardy of not even winning your division now. And you have right. Claypool tweeted out, Losing, I never heard of her. Well, he got to know her pretty well over the last three weeks because they went on three straight dates and somebody, one of one of our followers tweeted out the third date. You know what that means. And let's hope we can make it a fourth <laughs> date because the fourth day, now you're getting really serious. You might meet the parents soon. Yeah, well, look, man, I really, I really like our team. 
And, and I'm not picking the Colts for obvious reasons, but I do love our team, and I think there isn't I think there's a really good chance they win this game. I'm not picking them, of course. I want to make that clear because we all know what happens when I pick the Colts. We saw it happen when I picked them against Jacksonville. That will never happen again, I promise. <laughs> but I love I love this team. I love the character of this team. I, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a great measuring stick. This is a house of horrors for this organization. We could exercise so many demons this oh. Sunday and get – and give everybody a Christmas, uh, a huge, everybody in the Colts fans, miracle. A, huge, a Christmas miracle and a huge Christmas present. And, yep. I, and I don't think it's out of the question. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Hopefully the Colts play well on Sunday, get us a win, going into the last game against Jacksonville with a chance. And listen, if we somehow pull that off, then, that, then you know, Sunday night, if we get a if oh, we yeah. Green Bay can do us, if Green Bay does us a solid and beats Tennessee – all we got to do to win the division then is beat uh, is beat Jacksonville. Oh, so baby. this is huge. We got we got a lot to play for. It could be a great weekend. Either way, we'll be playing for something week seventeen. I think so. Yeah, you just uh, want to control Mary- your own destiny. I want to go into week yep. seventeen where, you know, even if the Packers blow it on Sunday night and the Titans win, I just want to go into week seventeen. Beat the Jaguars, and you're in. Whether that be a Colts loss to the Steelers and the Dolphins losing this week and other teams losing, or whatever it might be, just get me to Week 17 where we control our own destiny. The easiest way of that happening is controlling it this week and going to Pittsburgh and beating the Steelers. That's the easiest way. Then you don't have to root for anybody else. But if the Raiders were to beat the Dolphins and we lose this week, it's the same thing. You just cancel out instead of wins canceling each other out, losses cancel each other out, and you go into Week 17 with that. But, man, you win this game at 1 o'clock on Sunday. You go into Sunday Night Football with the Packers, who right now are playing for the one seed in the NFC. They want that bye. They're not going to be laying down. They're not going to be resting, guys. They're playing for a bye. It's not about the division anymore. And you have the Titans going on the road to go play them. So it's a huge opportunity for the Colts. If we win, we are going to be the – I'm going to have a big block of cheese on my head on Sunday night rooting (laughs) for the – Green Bay Packers. So that's going to be great. And it's just, as a fan, that's what you want. You want that. Those moments are, we have two Colt games on Sunday if we win ours. Because then we basically, we're going to be rooting for the Packers like we're watching the Colts on primetime. It'll be our second primetime game of the year, the way we're going to root against the Titans. So that's what it's all about. And it's a great time of year with the holidays and everything. I know it's been a really rough year, but there's a lot of really good things happening, at least with the Colts. So we got to preoccupy ourselves. We got to take our minds off other shit that's going on around the world. You eat some good food. You hang out with your family. You watch some football. And hopefully the Colts could get us one step closer to the playoffs. And also, Jason, I'll say this about not winning in Pittsburgh since 2008. I would say this is the best Colts roster since 2009. Yeah, that's a, that is I, – I would agree with that. I think this is definitely the best roster. And, Luke, the last thing I want to say before we sign off, what a difference a year makes, man. Last year we were, what, 6-8 and eight going yeah. into this game with no hope. And it's just, listen, whatever happens, playing meaningful games in, in December and late December beats the alternative. You know, whatever happens in this game, whatever. I mean, the fact that there's so much excitement and we have something to really look forward to and a lot of positive energy around this team, you know, after all that's gone on in this year, and it's just been a rough year for everybody. I don't think yep. anyone's had a great year. 
it's just I, I'm so happy for the organization, for our fan base, for everybody. We're playing, we're playing for something. We got a, still got a chance to win the division, and it's just such a, uh, it's been such a great thing. And Phil's been so outstanding as quarterback, and everybody thought he was gonna, you know, he's washed and he was gonna bomb. Well, that hasn't happened. The opposite's happened. He's proven he can still play. And I just, I wanted to point out, man, it's it's just a lot can happen in a year. We've seen that, good and bad. And the bad was COVID. The good is the Colts from from six and eight to 10 and four. So we're in a good spot. We just got to take care of business, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I hope everybody has a great holiday and we come back here on uh, Sunday and are talking about a huge Colts win. Jace, that's a great point. And I'm so glad you brought that up because somebody asked me this week, if I would consider this season a success or a failure, if we go 11 and five and miss the playoffs and I'm about championships, everything to me is about winning a Super Bowl, getting to a Super Bowl. I don't care who it is, I just want to, if it was Jacoby Brissett as a starting quarterback, it doesn't matter to me. It's not about the narrative. It's not about being right or wrong. It's just about this team getting to and winning a Super Bowl. I don't care if I was right about the coach, if I was wrong about the coach, if it was Ryan Grigson winning a Super Bowl with Matt Hasselbeck, it doesn't matter to me. Just get me to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's what I want as a fan. But also as a fan, I want meaningful football every week. Peyton Manning won one Super Bowl. Are you going to tell me we only had one successful season under Peyton Manning? Because I enjoyed, I thoroughly enjoyed all those 14-2 and two seasons, getting excited for December football, getting excited for playoff games in January. And the last couple of years, we've really missed that minus 2018. And 2018 was an awesome year. We didn't win a Super Bowl, but we had so many meaningful games down the stretch of the season. And that final stretch where we went, what did we go that final stretch? 9-1 and one over our last 10 games yeah, to get into the playoffs? Yeah, 9-1, nine, yeah, nine and one, man. Unbelievable. That was we a started, great what, stretch. And it's like we had 30 five. playoff games because every game down the stretch was a playoff game, especially week yep. 17. You have a primetime game, Sunday Night Football against the Titans, winning your in. That was essentially a playoff game. And then we get another playoff game the next week against the Texans, and we basically beat two out of our three division opponents in playoff games. And then you get the Chiefs the week after that, and it was just it was great. And unfortunately, the luck retired after that. And then last year at this time, we were looking forward to the draft and we were answering draft Q&A questions during the week and it was just a totally different feel and totally different vibe to the season. And as Colt fans and as just a fan of any team, this is what you want. Even if you're a fan of a team right now like the Redskins or the Giants in the NFC East, as bad as that division is, they got excited the last couple weeks. Giant fans who started the season 2-7 and seven and 0-5 and before that were excited about December football. And even though their team's not that good, there was a little bit, like, it, this was a better season for them than last year. Because last year at this time, they were out of it. They were totally out of it. And this year, they were only one or two games better, but the division was so bad they were in it. And as Colt fans, down the stretch, every game has been so big, we get those butterflies and every game has a playoff vibe to it where you got to win you got to win you got to win and there's another one this week and then we're going to probably have another one next week against the Jaguars and that's what it's all about and that really is a big part of being a fan so would I consider it a success in terms of the ultimate goal if we go 11 and 5 and miss the playoffs no but you also look at the last 50 years we'd be the only team to miss the playoffs at 11 and 5 with seven playoff spots because if you go back to 2008 when the Patriots went 11 and 5 they missed the playoffs but they would have clinched the seventh spot by two full games over the 9 and 7 Jets 
and they missed the playoffs. But this year with that extra spot, so this would be a historic playoff miss if we missed it at 11-5. and five. So, of course you don't want that. Of course you want a playoff game. That's what we're playing for. That's what we're rooting for. But people hear us get pissed off because we hold this team to such a high standard. Like last week, we won the game, and we were pissed after the game. And that's why I thought it was an interesting question because – when you lose or when you get knocked out of the playoffs, you kind of step back and a playoff loss sometimes doesn't even bother me. Like it bothers me in the moment and for the week after, but then like two, three weeks after, it'll bother me almost less than sometimes in the regular season, like just playing bad because you kind of appreciate the season for what it was. And this will definitely be a season I appreciate, especially because of how shitty the year was it was such a bad year with so much bad stuff going on the Colts every Sunday gave us something to watch and gave us something to take our mind off the rest of the world and what's going on in our communities and with our families and with COVID and with everything going on so that I will always consider a success because we're not sitting here right now at four and ten like the Texans with nothing to look forward to on Sunday we have something to look forward to and that although it might not be a Super Bowl, which we will be, I hope, you know, in the playoffs competing for, it will be a different way of viewing this season as a success. Great way to put it, man. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I 100% agree. If for some reason we don't make the playoffs, obviously that's not what we desire, but you can't look at an 11-5 and five season, the, what, the season that we've had, in my opinion, uh, with the way Phillips played and the way the team's just kind of, the way they played. I, lo- I love this team. If they end up not not making the playoffs, this is still one of my favorite Colt teams. And it's because of the way they play. And obviously you want to make the playoffs, and that's still the goal, and that's what we're focused on. And it wouldn't be a – technically it wouldn't be a success because we wouldn't have been in this – you know, we won't be making the playoffs or we wouldn't have made the playoffs. But it's hard for me to look at an 11-5 and team and be like, well, they sucked or it wasn't a good year. I mean, you won 11 games. And and it was just an anomaly that you didn't make the playoffs because it literally – is ne- I don't think it's ever has it ever happened that eleven five team not if you adjust it to the third wild card. So if you took this year's playoff format and you gave it to the rest of NFL history, nobody out of eleven and five would have missed the playoffs. Teams have, but they would have clinched a seven spot. Like two thousand eight, the Patriots at eleven and five, they right. missed the playoffs. Right. But they clinched if there was a seventh spot, they would have clinched it by two full games over the Jets. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we're all about the playoffs here. We still got two games left, and I'm I'm getting ahead of myself talking about depressing stuff. I'm talking more to the people who are like, well, if you miss the playoffs, you might as well go 0-16 and go get Trevor Lawrence. No, it's just that's not how you build a winning culture. And as fans, that's not fun. Like, right now, like, it's different if you're the Jets. If I'm a Jet fan, I 1,000% root against them last week because you're already 0-13. So what's three more losses? Just get me the freaking quarterback. Get me Trevor Lawrence. I've gone this far. I'm 0-13. But as Cole fans, every week we've looked forward to a game. We've won 10 out of 14. We're playing good football. This is a team where you're happy with the Rivers contract. You're happy with the defense. You're happy with... Even though we complain about Reich, you're happy with the overall job of this coaching staff. And I wouldn't say that this, no, there's no difference between 4 and 10 and 10 and 4 if you don't make the playoffs. No, I think there's a big difference because we've had six more weeks where we had a smile on our face. And we had six more weeks where, or more than that, where we woke up excited about a football game. The Texans aren't excited this week. 
The Jaguars might be excited because they're excited to root against their team, lose and get Trevor Lawrence. But a lot of those teams right now, those two-win teams, three-win teams, four-win teams, they're not excited about, oh, week 16, I can't wait. Let's go record our pregame show on our podcast. It's like, oh, God, okay, let's record it. Let's knock it out. Jason, under 10 minutes, please. I just want to get out of here. I don't want to spend an hour on this. So, like last year when we like were doing la- the, like exactly, the Jacksonville, like last year. Like the Jacksonville game. I mean, we just yeah, wanted we, yeah, we, get, had- we just wanted to get through the season and we weren't going to stop doing the podcast. We weren't going to stop watching the team. We weren't going to stop rooting for the team, but we just wanted to get to the draft. Cause then at least you have optimism. Like everything's about optimism. Everything's about getting excited. You're not supposed to watch sports to constantly be miserable. You're supposed to watch it for excitement. So if you're losing the next most exciting thing is, well, let's look forward to the draft. We might find our future quarterback. We might find our future left tackle. We might find, so it just changes. Like, let's flip the switch to the next sign of positivity. But this season's been loaded with positivity, and hopefully, you know. And I want to get away from it a little bit because I don't want to really even put that negative voodoo energy out there. I think this team's going to make the playoffs, but because it's so tight knit, whether it be the Colts or the Dolphins or whoever it might be that misses the playoffs by a game. None of those teams should be viewed, especially teams like the Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins are a rebuilding team. We are a weird team because we were kind of in rebuild mode, and then our quarterback retired, then we sign a 40-year-old quarterback, so we're kind of in win-now mode, but we're a very young win-now team. And then the Dolphins are in rebuild mode, second-year coach, rookie quarterback, and if they miss the playoffs, I would say the same thing to their fan base. Now, the Ravens are a little bit different because they have a lot of vets. They have a young quarterback, but they have a lot of vets. They have a Hall of Fame coach, and they are in more of a win-now position to the point where, like I know we are too because of Rivers, but they're in a position where their expectations were through the roof coming into the year. A little bit different than Miami, where Miami kind of came into the year just hoping to improve on last year. They were a bottom-five team in the league. Now, all of a sudden, they're competing for a playoff spot. So I think every team's in a different spot. Like, if Kansas City missed the playoffs this year, it'd be like, wow, (laughs) that's, you know, a shocker. Or the Packers or the Saints. So every team's in a different spot, which is why the Giant fans are so happy right now, even though they're going to miss the playoffs in the worst division of football because their expectations coming into the year were so slim. They never expected to play meaningful football after Thanksgiving, and they did. Yeah, it's a great point, and and you know the the bottom line is I, I'm just ex- I mean we're, we're in the middle of the most exciting part of the season. The last yep. two games, everything on the line. This is what it's all about. This is why we're fans. You know, you win or lose, but you, whatever it is, you want you want to be in the position to play these games. And and so whatever happens, I'm pumped up. I I feel great about the team. I think we have a great chance to make the playoffs. What whatever happens this week, I still think we have a great chance. Especially, obviously, if we win, we we're getting in the playoffs. But even if we lose, I still think we have a great chance. So, I, you know, I'm fired up. I'm excited. Um, this is what the this is what the NFL is about. This is what being a fan is about. Um, it's there's nothing better. I mean, this is what you 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 go through all the training camp, you do all that stuff, you go through all the early season games to get to this point. And now we're you know we're playing these great meaningful games, and it's it's exciting, man. This, I forgot what this felt like because other than 2018, Luke. I mean, 2019 wasn't you have to go fun, back to really. 2014. Yeah, that's so a long time. Yeah, so four out of five seasons were just awful. Yep, and they were so, even I mean, worse it, than that because. 
they were purgatory years. They weren't even like yeah. getting a top pick. Yeah. They were a mid round pick yeah. with Ryan Griggs and drafting. <laughs> the yep. wor- the Which worst is possible. Hell, you might as well be drafting in the two hundreds with Ryan Griggs and drafting I mean, I, in the mid teens. Honestly, I mean, I, yeah, it's a great point, and I'm just, I mean, we haven't. I would love to. We haven't won eleven games since what uh, 2014. So that yep. that would be great, and. If we somehow win 12 games, I mean, we haven't won 12 games since 2009. We won 14, I think. So, you know, it's been over a decade since we've won 12 games, and we're in position to do that. So, I mean, oh, it's what just a so shot much- this would be at the Dan Dockiches of the world. And I don't think there are many Dan Dockiches of the world, but imagine if Ballard, two years removed or a year and a half removed from Andrew Luck's sudden retirement, going out and signing a 40-year-old quarterback and winning more games than Ryan Grigson ever won with Andrew Luck? Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that'd be, that would be a story in itself. Wow, <sighs> great point. Great point. Then we could, st- we could put that- all the, oh, Ryan Grigson was, was, was over 500 in games where Matt Hasselback was quarterback or Clipboard Jesus <laughs> or any of the guys in 2015. Small sample size. Very small sample size. Here we have gone a full season, and if we finish twelve and four, and you combine this record, or even eleven and five, you combine this record with last year's record, we'll be over five hundred since Andrew Luck's retirement with Jacoby, Hoyer, and Rivers. It's true, which is a testament to this team Ballard built. Because this team right now, I think Philip Rivers is playing at a very high level, but there's been some pretty poor quarterback play in this two-year span as well with Jacoby, with Hoyer, and with Rivers at times in the beginning of this year. And to add it all up and to have two years of over 500 football since Andrew Luck retired, that's very impressive. I agree. I agree, man. I, I Listen, I love what Ballard's done. I think he's the best GM in the game. I think uh, he puts – he's rebuilt this thing. I mean – like we said, it was like building a house when we first when we first were yep. rebuilding, and we were talking about you build it from the ground up. And, and if you guys go remember, that's that that was the the metaphor that Luke and I used. And really, like when he came in here, the Colts were the Titanic. And the last what three years, the three years that that, that Chris Ballard's been here, he's continuously had to fill holes that were created by the previous regime. Yep. I mean, luck retiring. Uh, you know the the overpaid old guys, the 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 scrubs, the the guys, the malcontents in the locker room, the, and he's had to completely do that. And he's flipped this roster from that garbage roster he took over in 2017 to one of the best young rosters in football. And then he added a quarterback that everybody said was washed up, including most of our writers in Indianapolis. Not on this show, by the way. None of the people on this show said that. But other people did, and he's won 10 games out of 14 with them so far with a chance to win 12. So there was somebody that said that we criticized Chris Ballard too much. I don't know where he got that from. We literally only criticized him about one or two things. I think he's the best GM in the league. The proof is in what we're doing right now. I mean, this team, I love, it's nothing but high-character guys that when there's adversity, they rise up and they fight through it. So I love this team. I love where we're at. I'm pumped about Christmas. I'm pumped about the game. I'm just pumped up, man. It's so much fun being in this position as a fan and having something to play for. And like I said to start kind of our little segment here, what a difference a year makes, guys. What a difference a year makes, Jason. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to all the families and to all the listeners to the For the Culture podcast. We couldn't do it without you guys. We wouldn't do it without you guys. If we didn't have any listeners, we wouldn't be doing a show. 
because it just wouldn't be worth it for us. But, you know, you guys support us all year long. We really, 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 really appreciate that, especially during the holidays when everybody's more giving and more thankful about everything in their lives. That We're very thankful for you guys, all 5,000 almost now on YouTube, plus all our followers on the social media platforms and Spotify and Apple and all you guys. You guys always support us. We couldn't be more thankful. Merry Christmas to all you guys. If you celebrate Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever you guys celebrate, happy holidays, happy new year, even though we'll do multiple podcasts before new year. And enjoy it, guys. Enjoy time with your family. You could all use it after the year we've had as a nation, as a world, because we have followers, subscribers all over the globe so jason merry christmas merry christmas to all our subscribers guys enjoy the game on sunday colt steelers i'm your host luke diamond that's my man jason spears we will be back on sunday night to wrap it up and hopefully talk about a big colts win in yet another must-win game for the indianapolis colts in this crazy 2020 season right here on the for the culture podcast